When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog I used to think that this was my town What a stupid thing to think I hear you biting off a brain now I myself am on the brain I used to want to be a real man I don't know what that even What's up, Freebies? What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Gerbils? It's Rhea Butcher, the host of this podcast, this here podcast called Three Swings. Uh, it's a podcast about baseball and other things. So if you came here for those other things, I promise you will get those up top. And then the baseball kind of comes after. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, thanks for sticking around through the holiday break. Um, it then extended through the February holiday of Valentine's Day, which all of a sudden people seem to give a lot of shits about. I don't know. I It's very weird to me, uh, or I should say I've noticed a lot how much the, quote, holidays have become incredibly important throughout the pandemic, but not in this way of like, oh, what a day to think about the people we love. It's more like, I have to go to the Ritz-Carlton for Valentine's Day, otherwise I don't exist. It's very strange uh, to me. Uh, but also, you know, the folks who are celebrating those holidays in the more sort of humble, small way, we don't see that because they're not posting about it. So anyway, everybody's involved. Um, that's very strange to me that that stuff was going on. Shout out to everybody that's doing the best that they can. Um, I hope that everybody has... Uh, Stayed sane, stayed as as uh, calm and collected and uh, felt as many feelings as they possibly could over this break. A lot has gone on, and I'm sure that we will get into it in subsequent podcasts, but I felt like I did not want to try to cover everything that went on from December <laughs> to March uh, in my in my in my, uh, you know, spring training episode uh because i feel like that wouldn't be doing any of those things justice and they will come up again uh and i honestly can't remember all of them because i just i don't have the capacity for all of it you know um and i will be honest i was like can i with the amount of things even just in baseball that happened over the break from you know assault and the way we talk about things and online harassment and text harassment and women in sports and lack of queer representation, all these things, like all these things just over and over, like just, and, and, you know, one major thing for me specifically that happened over the off season, you know, like Trevor Bauer being on the team that I, I do truly love. Um, I was like, can I do this podcast anymore? Do I have the capacity to talk about this stuff? Do I want to talk about it? Uh, is it time? And ultimately, here I am. So I guess that answers that question. Uh, but my hope with this season of Three Swings, 
uh, because I have zero control over this season of baseball, um, is to try to find some fun, try to find the joy again. Um, I'm in, I get to be the commissioner of a fantasy baseball league, which has been (laughs) a tiny dream of mine. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to having fun with some folks around that stuff. I'm, uh, joining back up with one of my previous leagues, uh, that is like the categories head to head categories league. That's a ton of fun as well. And, you know, I'm just, I just want to have fun and enjoy this thing that we love together, which is baseball. And that's a uh, lowercase baseball. So I would love to do a better job of maybe talking about all the different versions of baseball as opposed to just MLB, um, because I don't get down with the one baseball theory. So why should I make a podcast that does that? And I think we've been doing a pretty good job so far. But that's just my hope is to let's kick it up a notch, you know? Um, and who knows if my baseball league will be back in session this year either. That was also kind of part of what was difficult for me last season to really be into it. It was hard to watch professional sports while the pandemic was just raging on, uh, and then also have no physical connection to it either. It was just kind of like, I felt very much like it was an opportunity to take a little bit of a break because I was doing a lot of baseball related stuff. So Silver lining of that time is a little time off from this and a little more time to focus on other things, um, which is what this podcast is also about, which uh, I I shared with you guys. It's hard for me to keep track of where and when I've shared those things, but I'm almost eight months on testosterone now, so I'm very happy with that. Um, I have my size of my body has completely changed, <laughs> which is pretty wild. Um, I've been doing about 20 modified push-ups every day and uh, for about a month, I think, pr- pretty much solidly a month or maybe two. Um, and the drastic change in my arm <laughs> musculature is bonkers. Um, and I did play baseball the other day with four other people, uh, distanced, and I kept my mask on. Um, <clears throat> and my ability hasn't changed. Like my ability to hit the ball hasn't, you know, it, it fluctuates, um, as, as it does for somebody that doesn't play baseball professionally and never learned professionally. Um, but when I hit the ball, it feels a lot different, which is interesting. Um, which is not to say like, Oh, this it's, Oh, it's so much better. I'm so much better at baseball because I've been taking testosterone. Cause this is something that, you know, was interesting to me. A lot of some people joked like, Oh, you'll be able to, you know, hit the ball so much better. And I'm like, I already am. Um, cause it doesn't give me better ability. It's just different. <laughs> you know, um, it's just hitting the ball feels different. Um, so that's been pretty cool. And, um, also I feel good and, and, welcomed in in this space and i can't remember if i shared this with you guys either because once again um just not keeping track of these things but i am what six months yeah a little over six months out of top surgery which was also really wonderful um and like a a a very big surgery to have uh but i had a lot of love and support in my life um and i it's just better than i could have ever expected (laughs) I just like people shared with me like that sentiment, essentially people that went through the same surgery. And I was like, wow, I mean, I feel like that's what I'm looking for. You know, like I wanted some specific answer 
Um, and then I realized I was getting it, which is I can't explain it to you. <laughs> and I can't explain it to you just like how much more I feel like myself. Um, and so I just wanted to share that with you all because I feel like you all are the the people to share that with. Um, and I'm so glad that you're back. And I just also want to share with everybody that um, it's it's been really difficult to see this onslaught of anti-trans girls sports bills um and then also ones that are anti-trans child health care in you know like arkansas mississippi tennessee north dakota south dakota um you know pushing these bills through um with little to no public support you know um these bills are not something that you know uh so and so at the the city council has you know received tons of of you know tons of letters of this issue like these are all bills that are being crafted by like one right-wing lobbyist group um you know that is deeply funded uh probably by big oil and other types of companies um to just like continue these uh you know these public fights against oppressed people because it makes them money and uh it's incredibly sad and it's it's a long tradition um and now they've just taken up the mantle of trans kids specifically trans girls because they seem to not care too much about trans boys playing sports which is interesting to me um given that uh you know it's it's interesting that they are even discriminatory in their discrimination um and i know what it gets down to which is on the face of it they don't think there's any advantage. <laughs> um, and that's the thing that I've, I feel as though we've talked about on this show, which is that children's sports, to me, should not be about advantage. And like this, it, we, it's just become so, so corrupted and so twisted towards like winning at all costs and no emotions and just be be the best and all these things like no participation trophies and like children's sports are literally for participation it's it's so that kids can feel a part of something and that is what they're they're literally removing like one or two kids in a state from the ability to play sports with their friends and it is just tremendously sad to me you know and i have to uh space out the amount of time that i like absorb this information because it's just, it's so awful. It's so, uh, useless and it does nothing but hurt people, uh, and cause like more and more division between people who weren't even divide. You know, it's just, it's, it's awful. And I, I just want to like send love to other people who are feeling this too, because it just feels, it's just, I just don't, you know, I know what to do, which is to get the word out and get, people in these states, these communities, because that's the other thing too. It's like, these are states that it's easy for people to point the finger and say, like say awful things. Like we've seen people do that about Texas. We've seen people do it for to West Virginia forever. Um, and that is not the people that are causing this issue. The people of the state are not the people who are causing the problem. It is opportunists seeing a place where they can ram this through because it's been gerrymandered and there's, you know, lobbying going on and all these things. It's like, 
it it has almost nothing to do with the populace of the people. Most people just want to go to work, <laughs> come home, enjoy their home and enjoy their lives. You know, most people want that. They do not want to see people oppressed. They really don't. Um, but everything has is, has become a zero-sum game these days. And so I guess ultimately that's what I want this season of Three Swings to be about. Less about a zero-sum game. Perhaps I'm more able to say that now that I've watched my team win a World Series. Totally open to admitting that. Uh, <laughs> but um, maybe... Maybe we can just have some fun, you know, and maybe we can fill ourselves with some fun so that we can share it with other folks who are going through uh, this incredibly, I don't want to say difficult, because I feel like that's the use, the, the like, the, the emphasis behind, you can't even say difficult, like it is a difficult time, but people have said that so much. People who <laughs> have millions of dollars and are, are have the, what feels like the easiest way to go through this, uh, are like, oh, this difficult time. It's like, no, this, this is really difficult. It's, it's really, really difficult for a lot of people. Uh, we're not even able to grieve the people that we've lost. It has had a ripple effect on all of us. Um, and so, to the best of my ability, I will try to bring as much joy and positivity as I can on a weekly or bi-weekly basis around the game that we love, that we sometimes call baseball. So starting off with positivity, uh, um, I mean, I do ultimately think this is uh, something positive uh, because if it was negative, I wouldn't be honoring this person's legacy very well. Um, one of baseball's all-time greats, Henry Aaron, also known as Hank Aaron, but I'm going to call him Henry because I think that is what he preferred, uh, died on January 22nd at the age of 86. Aaron played 23 seasons in Major League Baseball from 1954 to 1976. Those are some years. Uh, 21 of those seasons with the Milwaukee Atlanta franchise. Perhaps Aaron's most significant baseball achievement was breaking Babe Ruth's longstanding home run record on April 8th, 1974. Aaron hit 755 career home runs, a record that stood then for 33 years. Uh, Aaron still holds many other MLB batting records, including career RBI with, with 2,297, extra base hits with 1,477, and total bases at 6,856. He is also second place in home runs and at-bats, third in games played, and top five for hits and runs. That is a monumental line of tops right there. Uh, Aaron also holds the record for most all-star game selections and remains only one of two players to hit 30 or more home runs, 30 more home runs in a season at least 15 times. That is bonkers. In 1982, he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in his first year of eligibility. That also was a great year. Um, I would also say I was blessed with the opportunity to go to the first two games of the 2016 World Series. Uh, and you might remember that Hank Aaron or Henry Aaron would give out the Henry Aaron Silver Slugger Award right before the World Series. So he would be at every first game of the World Series. And I remember 
it's like I forgot that that was going to happen. Like, because I was there, I forgot I wasn't watching television. Uh, and then seeing him on the Jumbotron and then realizing he was in, I remember thinking, wow, I will get to tell my kids that I saw H Henry Aaron at, at <laughs> in a baseball field, you know, like I, I, got, I was in the same building as Henry Aaron. Uh, and these are kids that I probably won't have, but I will get to tell some kids, you know, um, and then cut to the next year, I am traveling for work around the World Series, which if you are a long time 3B, uh, you know, athletic gerbil, you will know that I <laughs> set myself up for success by always working around the World Series. Uh, and so I was at LAX the day that Henry Aaron got here for game one of the 2017 World Series. And he, uh, what, he and his like handlers and folks uh, went past me and he was right there. And it was like, I just don't even know what words to use for it. You know, of just like, wow, I got to look at Henry Aaron right there. <laughs> and I just, I just don't, you know, I never got to see him play. Um, cause I was born too late. Uh, but I did get to see the man and that is a pretty cool thing. Um, and I'll remember that forever. Um, in the wake of his death, many of the obituaries and remembrances of Aaron spoke of how he, in, quote, endured racist threats with stoic dignity. That's from uh, AP and, quote, ignored hatred as he conquered baseball. And that's from ESPN. And it's true that Aaron suffered a near ceaseless barrage of racist threats and racial violence throughout his career. Uh, the threats became particularly heightened during his run at Babe Ruth's home run record when Aaron and the journalists that covered him favorably received daily death threats. Uh, and I just I just want to really pause and take in like just really, really take in those sentences. Uh, and, and my lovely dear friend, friend of our friend of our friends, friend of our hearts, uh, bench coach Brett wrote these beautiful notes for me. So I just want to reiterate his words, uh, a near ceaseless barrage of racist threats and racial violence. I just want anybody who is white, like I am, to take a moment and realize that we perhaps can never comprehend what that feels like. Uh, and we can take our best efforts. However, the existential threat of that, the immediate threat of that, the consistency of that, the uh, inhumanity of that, the indignity of that, um, and then to get up and go to work um, is pretty incredible. Um, and something that, as a white person, I won't ever experience. Um, I have experienced, you know, anti-queer violent threats. I've experienced that. So I can say, oh, that, you know, <laughs> that happens. Um, I cannot gaslight people. I can believe it, uh, having had experienced it. However, I, it's not the same. So <sighs> I just wanted to take a moment to really like let that in, you know, cause I think something that we're pointing out here is the sort of smoothing over by uh, many of these obituaries and remembrances, the sort of, oh, this, this, oh, ra ra 
uh, racist indignities as though it's just like, this is what it is. It's a box and there it is and it happened and now it's done. And so um, I just wanted to take a moment with that. Uh, But as New York Daily News writer Bradford William Davis so eloquently explained in his January 22nd article, uh, quote, Hank Aaron is dead, but his life story is already at risk. Aaron didn't stoically endure these threats, and he certainly didn't ignore them. He was enraged by the racism that he experienced and spoke spoke out against it to the extent that he could safely do so. For example, on opening day 1974 in Cincinnati, Aaron tried to arrange an on-field moment of silence before the game for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., but the idea was rejected by the Reds. Later, in a 2014 interview, Aaron decried the Republican mistreatment of Barack Obama, saying, quote, the difference is that back then they had hoods. Now they have neckties and starched shirts. As Davis points out in his article, it's important to remember this part of Aaron's life so that Aaron doesn't get quote, conscripted into another of America's insidious racial myths, the genteel black martyr. White America is only comfortable reckoning with the victims of its racism when they politely turn the other cheek. The virtues of grace and class are forged into limitations, the only register in which a black person can respond to the racism they experience without suffering the consequences of raising their voice. An important thing to keep in mind and remember Um, when remembering Henry Aaron, he was not just a stat line and he was not just, um, you know, a quiet man who just did his job. Um, he did speak out against these things and continuously throughout his life. It was not something that, you know, started and stopped. Um, and I also just want to point out there was a really great piece uh, from 2019, I believe, about uh, Henry Aaron's uh, batting ability. Um, there was a, I believe it was on The Athletic. We'll put it in the notes of the show. It's honestly just like a love letter to the player. And there's just some really amazing pieces in there. Um, and I, I hope you guys go and read it because it's it's just a really fun one to read. Uh, but we'll put that one in the notes. And, um, you know... Keep on looking, keep on seeking, and keep on seeing where the story is a little too sleek, you know, and keep those eyes open for that. Um, And one more remembrance, Hall of Fame pitcher Don Sutton died on January 18th at the age of 75. Sutton won 324 career Major League Baseball games, 233 of them as a member of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Later, Sutton worked as a broadcaster for Atlanta and for the Washington Nationals. R.I.P. Don Sutton and R.I.P. Henry Aaron, who also was taken for one last lap around in Atlanta, and that that was incredible to see. So let's move on to some major offseason moves going into our spring training uh, of March and then into a season of baseball in 2021. Um, looking to see which of these moves will have the biggest impact this season. So the I guess the number one this year... Nolan Arenado, the third baseman uh, from the Rockies, traded to the Cardinals after signing Arenado to an eight-year mega extension just two years ago. The Rockies indicated that they fully entered rebuilding mode by trading their franchise player to the Cardinals for a five-player package that includes left-handed pitcher Austin Gomber, right-handed pitcher Tony Losey, right-handed pitcher Jake Summers, and infielder Mateo Gill and Eluris Montero. Um, they also, I think, had to shell out millions of dollars to do this. Uh, 
And I think, you know, the corner infielders of Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, uh, not do not let's not underestimate that. <laughs> let's not underestimate um two of the best corner infielders of the moment. Um let's not underestimate that. And I think, you know, the Cardinals have I think a great moment uh where the Chicago Cubs are. I think the Cubs are going to have a lot of fun with Dave Ross David Ross at the helm, but I don't think they have the team to do it. Um and I also think that the Milwaukee Brewers are a little shook, but we'll see if they get ba- get it back together. This might be the Cardinals' year to actually take the Central, um, but we'll see it, how their pitching holds up. I just, I I have some friends who are Rockies fans, and it, I'm just sad to see it. You know, this is as, and we'll get into this one too. Um, but as a person who really, really dislikes these franchise player uh, dumps. Uh, it's very sad to me. Like, I just can't imagine being a Rocky fan and losing Nolan Arenado. I just don't get it. You know, I mean, I get it. I get the money stuff. I get the, you know, they just, they, they it's, they've corrupted and wall streeted and they've, they're short selling everything. It's just like, ugh, I don't like this part of it. So this is also why I don't like doing preseason episodes because I, this is what I have to talk about <laughs> money and all of this stuff. Uh, but you know, whatever. So anyway, I mean, that's just like the, the two, the two best corner, that's the best corner infields in baseball probably. Right. I mean, I can't think of anybody else. That's not, um, I mean, who's a better first baseman than Paul Goldschmidt right now? Somebody, but those two in concert, I mean, Nolan Arenado has been the number one third baseman for a couple of years. So, <laughs> I mean, we've at least got number one and then number three or six, somewhere around there. Um, and then we move on to the Padres, who probably have my favorite rotation in baseball now. Um, they acquire both Blake Snell and you Darvish. I am so happy for both of these guys. I could not be happier for both of them. Uh, I am so stoked for them. And I'm so glad that they're on a team that seems like they want to have fun and maybe also win, even though they're in a division with a team that has a lot of talent. Also, the San Diego Padres added some elite pitching to complement their powerhouse offense by acquiring Blake Snell, who was the 2018 AL Cy Young winner, and Yu Darvish, who was the 2020 uh, NL Cy Young runner up. The Rays traded Snell for four prospects, including right-handed pitcher Lewis Louis, Louis Patino, who is the Padres' number three prospect and Major League Baseball's number 23 prospect overall. The Cubs traded Darvish and his personal catcher, Victor Caratini, for right-handed pitcher Zach Davies and four prospects from the Cubs. I mean, just congratulations to the San Diego Padres for just going for it. And I think Blake Snell is going to have a, a another... I think he's going to have another 2018. He's going to have so much fire. He's going to be so ready to go out there uh, and maybe be trusted um, outside of the numbers. And I'm really excited about it. And I just, I could not be happier for you, Darvish. I could not be happier for him to be in the Cy Young conversation. I could not be happier for him to be in a rotation like this. Um, I'm just, this This is, a, I love this. I absolutely love it. I'm so happy. Um, and. I I feel like I have a lot of second teams, which is going to make both of these next ones a lot more palatable this year. Um, Then the other, this one was the blockbuster trade in my personal life, which is Francisco Lindor, shortstop, 
from the Cleveland baseball team traded to the New York Mets. Cleveland traded four-time All-Star Lindor and pitcher Carlos Carrasco to the Mets for infielders Andre Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario, right-handed pitcher Josh Wolf and outfielder Isaiah Green. Cleveland's always going to try to get an outfielder. Um, I first of all, I was upset. Um, just in the similar way that I was upset about the Nolan Arenado thing. I don't like this shit. I think that I just don't understand, you know, these teams, the, the sport, like all the sport, they're supposed to be this, you know, municipal thing, this sort of civic action. Like we're supposed to be now. This is all not true, but this is what the teams, the leagues, they're trying to say that they're there for the city. And if they were really there for the city, they would be trying to hold on to the players that the city loves. You know, they would try try to hold on to the players that love playing for that city, that love having that name on the front. You know, they're, uh, all these guys are always talking. It's not the name on the back. It's the name on the front. Well, how about the front office practice that every now and then, too? Uh, that's what upsets me. However, I will say. I am so happy for Francisco Lindor. He looks like he is absolutely, it's, it's spring training and he is blooming like a beautiful flower. He is just out there. He's so stoked to play for New York. He's so, st- he's, he's got his like new shoe line coming out. He's got his like whole clothing thing. He's like wearing this jacket with all this shit. I'm just like, I am so happy for him. His social media has grown. Uh, people are calling him. I, I didn't know, and this is on me for not knowing. Uh, he didn't like being called Frankie, and I had no idea. Or maybe he. it's not that he didn't like it. He just thought it was lazy. And of the people of Cleveland started calling him Frankie instead of Francisco. And like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't realize. I didn't know. And that's also a form of laziness. I wish I would have known. Uh, and I would have only referred to him as Francisco. But Francisco Lindor... I am so happy for him for, to be playing for the New York Mets. Um, and I'm absolutely going to follow the Mets this year just because he's one of my favorite guys. He's one of my, he wanted to play for Cleveland. He was happy to be there. He, he was dr- talking about how he dreamt of playing for Cleveland in the world series and he got to do it. And you have a player like that who is a once in a generation player for any team and you dump him, you get rid of him. Now I don't mean to say he's being dumped to New York. I think he's going to live his best life. His best seasons are ahead of him. I cannot wait to see what he does, but I just don't like the mechanism. I think it's great that he's out of there. I'm so glad to see him in a Jersey that doesn't have, you know, at, at best offensive things on it. You know, uh, I'm just glad. I'm just glad for him. I'm glad for the man. I'm happy for him. I hope he thrives. I'm stoked about it. And it was the final, it was the final like nail in the coffin for me to be like, there is, I, I am not a, I'm obviously not able to change the Cleveland baseball team's name. Like I don't have that kind of power. I feel like I was part of something to help gain awareness, but that moment has sort of passed, at least for me. I think there's still, uh, there's still more to be done. There's still more awareness to be had. I think, you know, Cleveland is maybe possibly going to change the name. I don't know, but I have no, I, I, I literally have no connection to that team anymore. I think Jose Ramirez and, um, Perez are the only players that I have really any connection to. And I don't really, I don't really want to be a part of it anymore because it doesn't, 
it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like a good team to root for anymore. And that's ultimately what it's about. I will always have a sort of personal historical connection to that team. Um, but I just am not, you know, people, I am like connected to them. Like people are like, Oh, what do you think? And I, I am just starting to say like, I'm not a Cleveland fan anymore. <laughs> I'm not a Cleveland fan because I just don't want to be connected to it. I want, I want to be, I want to be on like Francisco Lindor's vibe. I want to be stoked. I want to be happy. I want to be loving. I want to put my vibes towards the good, the good things. And like, I just want my energy to go where it needs to go. And I just don't think Cleveland baseball is where it needs to be anymore. Um, because it's just not, it's just not an effective use of, of my energy and love anymore. And I love anyone and everyone who is still a fan of that team. I don't think you're wrong or bad or you need to go. Like, I think I love you and I get it, you know, I get it and I see it and I see you and it sucks. Um, but my time is now <laughs> that's okay. Whenever your time is or isn't is also great, you know, and I see you. And, uh, if anybody that wants to like point me towards better, you know, more ways of like growing awareness and changing that name and the mascot and all that stuff, happy to support it. Uh, but I'm just not, I'm just not on that Cleveland vibe anymore. And I'm on that Francisco Lindor vibe and I'm stoked for him and I cannot wait to see it. And I'm happy for all my Mets friends that are stoked to have this dude. Um, and I just, I can't wait to see what he does. Then on to one that I am not as happy about Trevor Bauer signs with the Dodgers, the 2020, uh, national league Cy Young award winner, Trevor Bauer signed with the LA Dodgers. That is the shortest <laughs> one that Brett, Brett gave me. Um, this one is complicated and it's going to probably, you know, haunt this podcast for a lot of time to come. I think, I don't like the guy's vibe. I don't like what he's doing. I've been back and forth about this guy on this podcast. I think the thing that sucks is that he does have a lot of good uh, thoughts on the game. Um, and I think, you know, his like bringing a camera everywhere, like, you know, his immersive style in the, in the experience of the league is a cool thing, but um, he is a troll. He loves to troll people and it's, it sucks. You know, it's just not cool you know, and he thinks it's cool. And his like agent girlfriend thinks it's cool. And they, they use her being a woman as like a shield. And I like, I just, I just don't like it. You know, I don't like it. Um, but I also don't think it's like fair or cool or just for that guy to take my team from me, you know, like, I just don't think it's cool for him to take guys that I love like Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger and Chris Taylor. And, uh, you know, the memory of Kike Hernandez, which are, you know, I'm stoked for him to be a, an everyday player, but I, God, I miss him so much, especially to lose him for somebody like Trevor Bauer. What an awful thing, you know? Um, so all that being said, like I look forward to seeing what this looks like and I'm ha always happy to have other teams to sort of focus on and just be in love with the game as opposed to like being this hardcore fan of a single team. Um, and I just like urge anybody, like I've already had people like kind of rub it in my face, whether on purpose or not that like my team picked up Trevor Bauer, which just, just to say like, unless you know the person you're talking to, it's just not cool to, like, rub it in the face of, like, I don't know, a queer uh, person or, like, you know, BIPOC person that's, like, 
to rub it in their face that their team bought this guy. Like I had nothing to do with it. Like, oh, I'm so glad you're relieved that you don't have to do like maybe just keep that to yourself. You know what I mean? Like I don't need to. It's just it's just like not cool. Like I, I wouldn't I haven't I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, I, that's not fully formed, but. Just like I didn't make this decision and I'm not happy about it. So why why would you why would you rub it in my face that, them, you know, like I good Lord. Anyways, uh, and then we got the Royals making moves who Cleveland not giving a shit and tanking. So I do think that the Royals are probably going to take the central this year. Um, Kansas City made a surprising amount of moves in the offseason, acquiring Andrew ben- Benintendi, the outfielder from the Red Sox and signing first baseman DH Carlos Santana from none other than Cleveland, uh, left-handed pitcher Mike Miner, who is up and down, and center fielder Michael A. Taylor. The Royals haven't finished above 500 since their 2015 World Series win, and I definitely think that they're going to win, they're going to end their season over 500. But I think they're going to win the Central, because I think Cleveland just doesn't even have a chance anymore. Um, and oh, they've got the the Minnesota Twins, but we all know how the Twins end up. And I love you, Minnesota. I love you, Twins fans. But holy shit, it's been a ride. So let's wrap it up with the preseason power rankings. This is from CBS Sports, and these are CBS Sports preseason MLB power rankings one through ten, posted on February sixteenth. So we'll probably have an update pretty soon in a couple weeks. Which of these are no brainers? Which are surprises? And who's missing from this top ten? Uh, number one, the Los Angeles Dodgers. That's a no brainer. Number two, the San Diego Padres. Kind of a surprise to be at number two, to be totally honest. Uh, but also a no brainer. Three, the New York Yankees. No brainer. (laughs) Four, Atlanta. Five, the New York Mets. Wowza. Look at those guys. Six, Minnesota Twins. Seven, Chicago White Sox. Forgot about them. Never mind about (laughs) the Royals. I'm changing my prediction to they will finish above 500. Um, and then we've got eight, the Toronto Blue Jays with George Springer, boo. And then nine, the Houston Astros, boo. And then we've got 10, the Tampa Bay Rays. I think the Tampa Bay Rays are a surprise at 10 here. And I don't know who I would put there. I'm going to go crazy. And I'm going to say that the, Seattle's got some stuff. And I think they're going to come out strong like they did last year or the year before. And then probably fall apart. But I'm going to enjoy the ride. So that's what I think. Um, I hope that everybody has a great season. Um, and I'm going to wrap it up. You know what I have in these notes, I have, uh, updates to the MLB sexual harassment policy. And you know what? I'm going to save that for another episode. Um, and I'm going to, we're just going to table it and we're going to come back to it. It's important. You've probably heard about it. And if you haven't, I'm going to get into it when I can give it a little bit more time and energy uh, because I think this is incredibly important and valuable and I don't want to just read through this. So I love you and I hope you think that's okay. And we will wrap up this episode with Aaliyah Andrews highlights. Perhaps the most stunning highlight of 2021 so far happened during a February 26th softball game between LSU and Oklahoma State when LSU center fielder Aaliyah Andrews stretched out for an incredible grab. I mean, it is absolutely incredible. She is like four feet off the ground. Uh, You have to see it. You can watch it here, and I'll post it on the Three Swings Instagram and Twitter too, at Three Swings Pod. Um, And there is a second mind-boggling highlight for Air Aaliyah in February alone. Here's another grab she made against Kansas on February 13th. Almost exactly the same, which is to say... 
how did she do it twice? <laughs> I mean, it's just incredible. It's absolutely incredible. So uh, I'm going to uh, make a promise to you to cover more softball on this on this podcast. Um, and I love you all. I'm so glad you were here. Send me some rosin bags for the next episode. They can be about anything. It can be about baseball. It can be about advice about life. It can be about anything. Let's get into it and get connected to each other. I want to know what's up with you. Let's see if we can figure some of this stuff out. Let's make a game plan. Let's figure out what our shift is. Let's move move around the bases together. Um, I'm so glad you're here. Check out my album. I totally forgot about this. I put out an album, uh, Pull Yourself Up by Your Bootleg. You can get it basically anywhere. It's linked in my bios for all my social media. Um, a lot of dads have loved it. I've had a lot of dad dad people tell me that they love the, the album. So uh, please check it out. And thank you to everybody that's listened and told me that they liked it or told me they didn't like it, which hasn't been anybody. But thank you to everybody that's listened or bought it or bought the pin. Very cool of you. I'm honestly super flattered. I cannot believe I get to do this job and I couldn't do it without any of you. Um, so I love you very much. I hope you have a great week and I'm so glad to be back on this podcast with all of you. And as always, if you liked it, you liked it. Forever. Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.